Seeking testimonies, I'll tell you, I sure have loved being having witness here uh, these last few days with us, singing in our services. I'll tell you, if you missed the picnic yesterday, uh, not only did you miss some great food, you, you missed about uh, 35, 40 minutes of witness singing and giving testimonies and and uh, just what a blessing it was. Pray for them. As soon as the service is over, we're going to be uh, providing a light lunch here, and then they take off, and they're going to be at uh, Grace Baptist Church in Vernon, Connecticut tonight. And uh, then Wednesday, they're going to be traveling around. We'll meet up with them again first week in August at Youth Conference in Oklahoma City. And uh, then uh, be time for school to start in two weeks. And so do you pray for them as they travel. God would keep them safe. But uh, this morning, I'd, I'd like for us to look at just one, one verse. And uh, we've, uh, for those of you that haven't been here regularly for the last, oh, uh, about two months, we've been in a series on how we ought to behave ourselves in the church of God. I mean, there's just some things that, God has for us, and uh, <clears throat> sometimes uh, you, we, uh, as a pastor, you sit there and you say, I, I come up with sermons and I preach week after week, but there, there is a reason for that. And, and there is a reason why uh, when people have been out of attendance of our church for a while, they'll come back and Guess what they'll find? We're doing exactly the same thing that we were doing when they left. And and I like to give this testimony. uh, uh, When uh, 9-11 happened, of course, that was a catastrophic event. It was right here in New York City. And and when I was visiting Heartlander and Preacher Fellowships, uh, one of the first questions I would ask, people would say, uh, what has changed? And uh, do you have more people in your services? Is, is anything going on? And, and I'd sit there and go, well, um, no, it's just about the same as it was before. And then it dawned on me. We were doing the right things before the crisis. And we didn't have to change because of the crisis. I don't know. I I don't think maybe uh, you're as excited as I am about this, but I'm excited that our church is starting to to make some plans uh, for the future. That when I step down from the pulpit, there'll be a pastor here to take my place and that we'll continue. Now, by God's grace, uh, I'm praying that that transition doesn't happen for a lot of years. Uh, uh, somebody said, when are you leaving? I have no idea, but I'm not planning on going anywhere for a long time, by God's grace. Uh, uh, because Andrew's got to do a lot of growing up uh, before... Well, he's already got bigger feet than I do, but that's not the important part. Amen? Uh, we're, we're trying to make some plans for the future, should the Lord's coming not be uh, when we think it is, which would be tomorrow. Amen? We, we want to be ready to keep doing what we're doing. Because God's only given us two things, really. He's given us a book. You know, this book was around a long time. Before there was a Supreme Court of the United States. Before there was a United States... Uh, Before there was a Roman Empire, this book was already over a thousand years old, parts of it. And since the ministry of Jesus Christ, He's given us a church. Amen? And there's an awful lot going on. And of course, the devil... If you really want to know where the devil's main work is, read Revelation chapter 2 and 3. The depths of Satan are found not, not in the nightclubs and, and the, 
the bars and the places that we think of first, not in the Mardi Gras and all of the uh, carnivals of this world. If you want to know where Satan is really working, he, try, he tries, he tries to imitate the church of Jesus Christ. The closer you get to the truth, the better the lie. Isn't that true? That's why politicians are such lousy liars. Amen? Uh, They're nowhere near the truth. Not a one of them. It's a sad day. But I'll tell you what, we do have the truth right here. And this one verse really sums up uh, a lot of things that have been on my heart and mind the last several weeks as I've been preaching uh, this uh, series. And, you know, when I was a young preacher, people would say, are you trying to tell me what to do? And I go, oh, no, 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 no. You know what? I can't tell you what to do. But I can point in the right direction. But you see, every person here has to make their own decisions. And you know what the scariest thing is? It's when someone will draw a line for their faith and say, You know something? I I, I like this Bible and this faith thing. And I'll tell you, preacher is sure excited about it. And he's sold out on it. But, you know, he's the preacher. He, he's up here. It's okay if I'm here. And then you know what happens? Somebody else comes in and they say, Hey, I, I, can't, be, I can't be like preacher. I, I can't even be like this person here. So I, I'll be right here. I'll be okay. You know where that thing goes? just keeps going down and down and down until where there is absolutely no difference between what one person calls Christianity and another person calls worldliness. I've often asked the question if Jesus just decided to personally, physically, he's not going to do this, But if Jesus would come down and just decide to camp out in your living room for a week. So I'll just take the sofa in front of the TV. That'll be good. Would things change in your house? Well, they ought not. If you're saved, the Bible says he lives within your heart. That the kingdom of God is... Within you. I'll tell you, it's so easy to lose track of that. But preacher, I live in a real world. And there's real things going on around me. I can't be like you and just live in an office and live in the church building and be protected from all of these things in the world. I want to challenge you. That I live in the same world you do. How many of you enjoyed having these young people from Witness here? You don't mind if I call you young people, do you? One of them's my kid, my child. And listen, I don't know how else to say this, but. If you have little children here this morning, wouldn't you like them to grow up like these people here? Wouldn't you like them to turn out with only one color of hair and not holes all over their bodies and language that's not laced with profanity and filthy words and words that don't even make sense. Somebody said, I I just can't understand this younger generation. Well, teach them how to speak English and you will. Amen? 
Words still mean things, my friend. You see, we live in a world where people who preach strongly this book are accused of being tyrants and dictators where where you... Listen, all you want to do is tell me everything to do. No. You see, Paul kind of sums this whole thing up in our text. And I'd like you to look with me at the last verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The last verse, verse 24 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, not that we have dominion over your faith, but our Helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. Let me read it again. Follow with me. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Now, you see, Paul is explaining, in his, as he is opening his second letter, he takes just 20 words, the verse we just read, to sum up this whole thing about preaching and faith and how we ought to live. Now, if you remember, and if you don't, take this afternoon, take you about an hour, maybe an hour and 20 minutes, read through the book of 1 Corinthians. And you know what you're going to find in the book of 1 Corinthians? Problems. I mean, big problems. I mean, huge problems And they were all, every one of them, in the church at Corinth that Paul had started. I mean, things that we wouldn't even dream about today were going on in that church at Corinth. Wicked things. Immoral things. There was strife among the members. Uh, Different people were saying, well, listen, you, you, you may be following Paul, but... I'm following Peter. Can I tell you what the difference between what Peter preached and what Paul preached was? I just did. But then you had, I don't know if they have any of these at Heartland or not, but at uh, Baptist Bible College where I went to school, we had the official order of pious gas bags. Uh, I mean, and they had it on their dorm door. I mean, the the, uh, the Grand Poobah and the quarter there, they were uh, falsely spiritual guys who set themselves up as a standard of holiness to which none of us could measure. You don't have anybody like that at Heartland, do you? No. Every Bible college has a few. Every church has a few. Because people like to elevate themselves. It's called pride. Greatest sin in all the Scripture. And Paul spent that whole book of 1 Corinthians dealing with problem after problem after problem. And I want you to just go back with me to verses 5 and 6 of chapter 1. Because that wasn't all that went on in 1 Corinthians. But there were some things going on in Paul's life as he was now had moved from Corinth and in the town of Ephesus. And you read in the book of Acts all the things that befell Paul as he was there. And, and look at verses 5 and 6 of first, Second Corinthians chapter 1. It says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation 
and salvation. And what Paul is saying here is, he's he's not saying, because I suffered, you're going to be saved, as in salvation from sin. What he's saying is, everything that we've gone through, and Paul went through an awful lot, is to be an encouragement and a help to you. God allows me to suffer, is what Paul was saying, so that you can understand, number one, how real your salvation is, And so you can understand that God did it for them. He'll do it for you. Just like that song witness said. He was there. That's that's why God allows us to go through some of these things. And that's what Paul was saying here. And, And as he sums this whole thing up, he says, Not that we have dominion over your faith. You see, if you want the number one earmark of false religion, that's it right there. Dominion over your faith. You see, if you give dominion of your faith to someone else, then... Who controls your faith? Whoever has dominion over it. That's why Jim Jones was able to lead hundreds of people to Guyana. And they all committed suicide at his word. And the ones that didn't were helped. Bullet-assisted suicide. Many of us are not old enough, many others of people here. I'm old enough to remember the Guyana tragedy and all of the things that happened there. Why did they do that? Because they surrendered the dominion of their faith to a perverted, wicked, selfish man who was trying to build a kingdom here on earth. And once that kingdom was threatened, he had the old pagan ideal that there would be no prisoners taken. And when the federal agents finally got into the compound, the only people that were alive were Jim Jones' assistants. Tell you what, it's a tragic example. But let me tell you, read your Bible. The spirit of Antichrist was alive in Paul's day. How much more is it alive today? I mean, you can get blessed handkerchiefs. Uh, You can get blessed barf bags. I mean, you can do all kinds of things. They do at church, literally. Claiming that somehow they have this influence over you. I mean, there's one preacher claims that he can throw the Holy Spirit like a softball and knock you down. Now, uh, where, where do you get that kind of craziness from? like the man I met on Steinway Street one day witnessing, passing out tracks. And he took one look at our church track. And I've told this story before, forgive me. But he takes one look at our church track and looks up at me and says, I know where the missing links of evolution are. Now, our church track doesn't say a word about evolution. He just saw church on it, knew we believed in God. And he wanted to make sure that I had this bit of information that only he was privy to. And I said, sir, I said, maybe you better explain that to me. And he said, oh, yes. He said, all of evolution happened on a planet inside the constellation of the Pleiades. And when all the animals were perfectly formed, Adam and Eve put them all on a spaceship and came to planet Earth. And I said, wow. I said, where did you get that idea? And he goes, right here. Now, I'm a very kind and compassionate man. And so I bent my knees real far so I could look him straight in the eyes. And I said, mister, I said, I want you to understand something. You got real problems right here and walked away 
There is no help for someone like that. He didn't dream that up on his own. It's been around for a long time. Ever since people knew about spaceships, some... Let's be kind. Pseudo-intelligent person. Dreamed this whole thing up so that they they would have an excuse not to submit their faith to what's printed in this book called the Bible. You see, Paul said, I do not want, we do not have, not that we have dominion over your faith. He said, Corinthians, I am not trying to dictate to you. I don't want dominion over your faith. It doesn't belong to me. My faith, Paul was trying to say, is my business and my work. And I have a whole life of work taking care of my faith relationship with God and what I want for you at Corinth is that you will have your own personal, real, and living faith Relationship with God. But where does faith come from? Help me out. Faith cometh by... Let's do that again. Faith cometh by... And hearing by... The Word of God. So if faith cometh by hearing, that's why preachers yell when they preach, okay? Just let you know on that. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So if you're hearing this Word, should there not be some common denominators between you and another person hearing the same Word of God preached? Could we say amen to that? You see, it is not some undefinable, mystical thing. I read a book, someone sent it to me years ago. And I couldn't figure this out. It was a very well-known radio preacher. His name was Chuck Swindoll. And he was writing this book on grace. And as he wrote this book, he said... You know, it's not the preacher's job to convict people of sin. It is God's job. I said, yeah. So what's the big deal? Tell me something else I don't know. I can't convict you of sin. If God doesn't convict you of sin, how in the world am I going to do it? Well, then I found out what the deal was. He likes smoke a pipe. The epitome of Christianity is the long-bearded scholar with a pipe hanging out his mouth filling a room with stinky smoke, right? Where did that come from? Right here. And he was offended that somebody like me would point my finger and say, That stinking thing sticking out of your mouth is not a good testimony for Jesus Christ. It's attached to too many dirty things. Now, where would we get that idea from? Uh, Be ye holy. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Thus saith the Lord. See, I'm not trying to have dominion over your faith. But I'd like you to see some things that are written in this book. Because, see, what faith really is, is faith is believing what is written down enough to do it. Why did it get quiet? Don't you believe that? 
I mean, if you don't have enough faith to do it, do you have faith? I mean, they tell the story of the man who strung the uh, tightrope across Niagara Falls and walked across the tightrope and walked back and said, How many of you think I can do that pushing a wheelbarrow? Everybody went, Yay! And so he took the wheel off the wheelbarrow, so it had a groove there in the rim. And he put the groove in the rope and he pushed it across and then he pushed it back. I mean, that's a long walk. He said, now, how many of you think I could do that with a person in the wheelbarrow? Now you know where it's going, don't you? As far as I know, this actually happened one time. And one little boy said, I'll go, mister. And he's the only person in all of history that got to see the view of Niagara Falls from over top, looking out of the wheelbarrow. I don't know about you. I like Niagara Falls. Not that much. But there was only one person in the crowd that really had faith in the guy walking the tight, pushing the tightrope, pushing the wheelbarrow across the tightrope. That was the one that rode in the wheelbarrow. Now, I'm glad to tell you that this book is a little more reliable than some guy that's dumb enough to string a rope across Niagara Falls and walk back and forth on it. Amen? People have faith in all kinds of things. We don't have time to delve into that today, but could, could, would, would you at least agree with me by saying amen, that, that this book is worthy of faith. In fact, there is nothing in this world that compares to this book as a source of faith, as something to put faith in, uh, that no organization, no man, no group of men, nothing known in the history of mankind compares to this book. Could we say amen to that? It's where faith comes from. And so if your faith and my faith comes from the same place, ought there not be some points of coincidence, uh, some congruence, if you're a mathematician, congruent geometric shapes means that they fit exactly over top of each other, that they perfectly measure one to another. That's what congruent means. And if my faith comes from the same place your faith comes from, then there really ought to be some congruency there. Amen? It's not that... We have dominion. This is the thing I love about Heartland Baptist Bible College is I can go there and I can send my children there and I can honestly recommend other people to go there who want training for ministry to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I know what they're going to get taught there is what I teach here. And that's because I call up Brother Sam every week and say, Brother Sam, what are you preaching on this week? Will you tell me? Now, if you believe that. If I did that, do you know what Brother Sam would do? He said, Brother Montoro, what are you on? Uh, what are you doing? You, you know you have your own personal responsibility to pastor your own people and preach your own sermons. Have a nice day. Click. You know, he might not be that rude. He might be giving me uh, an opportunity to explain my stupidity, but I wouldn't do that, never have, never will. And Brother Sam would never expect it and never agree to it. In fact, he'd tell me, he said, my outlines belong to me, not you. Maybe after I'm dead and gone, you can look at them, but not until. You know Why? Because there's no person that has dominion over our faith. You see, that's the problem 
with denominations. That's the problem with the Pope. You see, he has dominion over the faith. And if he decides to change it, guess what? He changes it. He just made a new discovery after how many ever hundred years of the Roman Catholic Church, whether you count it from the Great Schism of 1098 to the Edict of Constantine in 312, you can't find it before that. Uh, How many years? He has now found out that evolution and the Bible are in agreement with each other. Now, there's only one way you can do that. And that's to blaspheme the God of the Bible. Because he didn't shake the genetic dice and go, Oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Well, I'll come back in a couple of uh, million years and find out. Well, that's what evolution says. God said, let there be light. And man in 6,000 years of history still hasn't figured out what it is. You know what, just a few months ago or a year, less than a year ago, they finally were able to develop a picture of light that looks like both particles and magnetic radiation. Uh, because we don't, light acts like both of them and they're two different things. Maybe. You see how dumb we are? We can make light in any color, any shape, any size, any brightness. We can burn holes through a motorboat engine at a quarter mile away or through the cone of a nuclear missile at hundreds of, uh, or thousands, tens of thousands of miles with a laser beam. We can do all kinds of incredible things with light, but we still can't define it. I can! God said, let there be light. Uh, Jesus said, I am the light of this world. So I'll just trust what he said. That's faith. Instead of seeking some scientific contusion of the truth. Amen? You see, it's not that we have dominion over your faith. but are helpers of your joy. That's the title for this morning's message. You know, I've... In the twenty, nearly 23 years I've preached in this church, we've had a handful of people over the years get up and walk out right in the middle of a message. Not many, praise God. But they got mad. I'm not listening to what that guy says. Be my guest. We're not holding you here. You see, we have no dominion over your faith. Nor would we if we could. Because then it wouldn't be your faith anymore. See, your faith has to be your faith. But those of you that have been around here a little while... You have witnessed the most difficult thing there is for a preacher to deal with. That's people coming in and they listen. And sometimes, I always get nervous when this happens. Somebody will come, wow, I love this church, man, that was the greatest sermon I ever heard. And I'm sitting there going, liar. Can't be the greatest sermon you ever heard because I'm not the greatest preacher to ever preach. Well, I learned so much. This is incredible because I know what's going to happen. They're going to hear something they don't like. About this. Forward march and out the door never come back. And I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but I'm not following you and chasing you down try to drag you back in. Because then I would put myself in having a dominion over your faith, and I don't want that. It's not biblical. See, your faith has got to be yours. But I'll tell you the most wonderful thing I've seen is when somebody comes in, they say, wow, that's what the Bible says. 
Yeah, that's what I try for. That's what I pray for. That I can get up here in this pulpit and tell you what the Bible says. That's why our pulpit's in the shape of a cross. Because I don't want you to see me. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to understand that it is finished. That Jesus has done all the work. But, Brother Brett, can I pick on you? You remember that day we sat in the office and I told you what the Bible said about being saved? And you said, I want to do that. Joy. Joy. Remember when you itchy came running down the aisle? Said, Preacher, I want to get saved. Not because of me. Because of what this book says. And we've watched young people grow up. And some of them have said, not for me, preacher. And walked out. Breaks your heart. But you see, I don't have dominion over their faith. And I can't do anything about it. But I've watched some others who have said, yes, I'll just believe what the Bible says. I'll make a decision to change the way I walk and the way I think and the things that I allow in my life and the things that I purposely put in my life. One of the things that ran through all the testimonies that were given was, you know, the key to living the Christian life is a daily walk with the Lord. You know, Hudson Taylor spent his whole life in China. He wrote a book called The Secret of Hudson Taylor. You know what it was? Walk with Jesus every day. You want your children to love God when they're old enough to make their own decisions? You better start loving God His way when they're little. And they'll follow in your footsteps. What did Jesus say? He said, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Jesus said in John 16, verse 24, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. By the way, if you ask for something in Jesus' name, what are you really doing? You're going to God the Father, and this is what you're saying. You're saying that Jesus has authorized me to request this thing of you. That's pretty serious, isn't it? If I showed up to the bank with a check made payable to me, Pete Montoro and signed Donald Trump's name on it. Now, he's got lots of money, doesn't he? Not much of anything else, but lots of money. What would happen to me? Two very nice men or women in blue with uh, pretty badges all over their chest and shoulders would come up and give me a one-way trip to Rikers Island. 
You know why? Because I have no right to ask for Donald Trump's money. And by the way, I don't want dirty money. I wouldn't ask for it anyway. I don't want casino money, gambling money. But why do we take a flippant attitude that would end us up in jail dealing with other human beings and approach the God of heaven that way? You know, Jesus wants us to pray for things so that our joy can be full. Have you ever had an answer to prayer? I'll tell you what. You stop and you think that the God that created this entire universe took time to hear and answer my prayer. That's amazing, is it not? Uh, That's joy. John chapter 17, which truly is the Lord's Prayer, Part of that prayer, one verse, verse 13 said, And now I come to thee, (coughs) and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Now, why was Jesus asking God that His joy would be fulfilled in the lives of the disciples? Well, let me explain something. If you're going to have joy today in your life, It only comes from one source. That's Jesus Christ. And Jesus was excited about only one thing. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. You know, that's why church is important. Because that was Jesus' joy. And if we want that joy fulfilled in ourselves, you know how we do it? We participate as a member of the body of Christ, which is the local church. But, Pastor, you don't understand. I I have special gifts and things that I need to exercise. Uh, It's not about you anymore. It's about Jesus. You know, there's been a couple of things said over the years. Somebody said, well, you've just taken all the credit. What? I don't know where that came from, but it comes from people who want credit themselves. People have heard about this church. We've got an incredible testimony all over the place. Because there's some wild things that have happened here that just don't happen other places. Well, that's because they're not crazy enough to move to New York City. Amen? But, you see, it says, that last phrase there, for by faith ye stand. You see, if you're going to stand in this day, you're going to have to have faith. We have some young men that are looking and they're trying to come up with a new, improved type of Bible college or church. Heard tell of a young man that actually sat his preacher down and explained to him what he was doing for missions was ridiculous. And that he needed to change some things. And of course the pastor, by God's grace, very carefully and gently told him that it doesn't work that way. You know why? We don't need new and improved. New and improved is not faith. Uh, you can't change what's in this book and have faith. You can't innovate if you were here for Brother Lucas's sermon. Love that sermon. God doesn't need innovation. He wants what? Obedience. 
well, somebody might think that, that, that I'm old-fashioned. Oh, my, wouldn't that be a terrible thing? That somebody might confuse you with being out of touch with the world. I've been told by several people, my own mother told me this once, she said, you're going to be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And I said, Mama, I don't want to disagree with you, but I want you to understand something. I'm going to be in heaven a whole lot longer than I'm stuck here on earth. And I don't want to get to heaven and be so earthly minded that I'm no heavenly good. See, I don't want dominion of your faith. I don't have it. Nor would I take it if you came and gave it to me because I cannot, as a believer in this book in the Bible, hold dominion over your faith. That belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is delineated, that is defined, that is described in this book, in the words in this book. That's why the words are so important. But my job as preaching these words is to be a helper of your joy. How many people would just stick up their hand right now and say, Preacher, I've been obedient to what was in that book and God has added joy to my life. Would you just lift up a hand and a testimony to that fact? See, anybody that's obeyed God's Word has found out that's the way of joy. Somebody once, well, Sarah was, Well, Dad, how, how do I know that God's going to pick the right one for me? I said, Did you hear what you just said? She said, Yeah, but is he going to be ugly? And uh, I said, Sarah, even if he is, you won't think so. Because God has a way of fixing that thing up. How in the world do you think your dad got married? Amen? A helper of joy. Because you're going to stand before God one day and you're going to be judged on your faith relationship with Him. That's how you're going to stand. Psalm 1, last Sunday night, that's why sinners won't stand in the judgment. There won't be any unrighteous or ungodly standing in the the congregation of the righteous. You know why? Because they don't have a leg to stand on. There's no faith. How many remember the day you put your faith in Jesus Christ and ask Him to save you? Say amen. The joy of knowing my sins are forgiven and heaven's my home. How many remember the day that you said, yes, I'll submit to Bible baptism, become a member of the church? Joy. How many said... I need to clean up my act a little bit. There's some things I need to get out of my life. Only God can help you do that, Joy. Life is a long, dreary road without joy. But I'll tell you what. The Bible says you can have faith to get to heaven. But if you want to enjoy it, you better exercise that faith. Heaven is free. But everything that you get when you get there is earned. Not because of what you did. Faith is just taking God's word and saying yes. That's why we will cast those crowns at Jesus' feet. Because they're His. Because it's His Word that gave us faith. Amen? 
joy comes from Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. For by faith ye stand. Are you standing? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this day. And Lord, the prayer is one that I pray nearly every Sunday. Lord, I ask that people here would demonstrate faith by believing your word to the point of obedience. Lord, we cannot help but believe there are some here today that have never trusted you as their personal Savior. Maybe it's all a a big question mark to them, or maybe they have heard how to be saved a thousand times and yet refused to do it. Lord, I pray that today faith would make the difference. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with the faith in which God desires to alter the way we live and behave and the decisions we make, even the clothes we wear and the things we do. That we would understand the things that God would change are not to hurt us or take things away, but to help our joy. And that the only way we can have true joy is by a complete and total 100%. Nothing held back, surrender to your word. Lord, that we would take these next few moments we call the time of invitation and do a personal assessment of our faith relationship with God. Should we be found wanting that we would be willing that we would be bold enough and humble enough to leave our seats and come here and talk to you about it at an old-fashioned altar, a place that we have set aside to talk to you about these very things. Lord, I pray that you would help our joy and build our faith today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation. One that we know well. As we sing, would you...